It's time to fire up the three-cylinder star drive, the show that sputters along, touring a galaxy of pop culture and fanboy fiction. And now, here are your hosts, Richard Coots and Roger Colby. Hey, welcome back to Three-Cylinder Star Drive. I'm Roger Colby, science fiction novelist. And I'm Richard Coots, and I'm a fount of pop culture trivia. Today on the show, we're talking about... um, when a franchise has been created by someone and we love the franchise, we love the creation that this person has made, yet they just, and, and you know, they're getting where they're just older and older and their ideas change, um, maybe not for the best, and they will not hand the franchise over to right. somebody younger, fresher to, to really pick it up. Now, I'm going to anger a lot of people here when I'm talking about this because... The first person I want to talk about is George Lucas. <laughs> okay, now listen. I love, I love Star Wars. It's probably you know I have such great memories as a kid because look, I'm old enough to remember I was six years old. My dad took me to see 1977 Star Wars, and listen, those of you who don't know, that movie stayed in movie theaters for years. Okay. It was in there for over a year, at least two, I think. Um, my dad took me to see that at least three or four times because he loved it, you know, and he and I loved it. And it was just something that we did together that was great. Yeah, right. You know, and look, the thing that George Lucas created in episodes four, five, and six, the original trilogy, it's fantastic. It's been re, you know, it's been copied. I don't know how many times the format's been copied. They, you know, there were other movies that came out that tried to re, tried to capture that Star Turkish, Wars magic. Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> but I'm talking about like American film. Right. It really revolutionized American film. It was the first time that anybody had ever just like, look, I'm going to do my own thing and I don't care what the studio says and I don't care I'm going over budget. I'm doing this thing because I know it's going to be something. Even the stars in the movie, even Luke, even... Um, all of his principal actors thought this was going to fall right on its face and be the oh, worst yeah. thing ever, but it was amazing, you know. And I still, you know, but see now, I have all I have because I don't have, you know, the only way to really watch the original trilogy the way it was when it came in theater was is to watch it on like laser disc or something. Yeah, that's that really sucks. Because look, man, uh, I show. And I have students, you know, as a teacher, I have students and I show them Star Wars because um, there's like a, you know, my AP class, we read a Roger Ebert, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a review of the film. And then I have half, over half of my kids who are like, I've never seen it. I've never seen Star Wars. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. I've never seen Star Wars. And I'm like, you haven't seen, and what really is terrible. Not even the prequels? No. No, they haven't. Wow. Uh, So... I show them the 77 Star Wars. However, the only one I have is the one with all the digital right, stuff the, added the to it. special edition. Which just it's, ruins everything. It's special, all right. I skip over the Jabba the Hutt scene. Yeah. I, I totally skip over it. Um, and then when I have to exp- – what's really bad is I have to explain to the kids, okay, that wasn't in the movie. That wasn't in the movie. That wasn't in the movie. And oh, it man, is – Absolutely mind the, the rapping alien in the cantina. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, there are so many things. I mean, the prequels, yeah, okay. 
they're all right. They're not great. They're not great. They're they just, have their moments. They have their moments. Um, you know, the, the, the scene between, uh, the fight scene between fight. Uh, Obi-Wan and, and, and Anakin at the very end of episode three is yeah. pretty good. But, I mean, it's a great fight scene, but yeah. the dialogue is so The dialogue. Great. And, you, it, you know, and it's like, Lucas, why did you do that to your, to your, you should have handed it over to somebody else. Because, look, the movies they're making now, now that uh-huh. he has handed it over, right. the movies they're making now are really good. Right, you know, um, I loved Rogue One. I loved Force Awakens. Those two movies were fantastic. We'll, we'll see how long that trend lasts. Because we'll Disney is really micromanaging now. They are, uh, and um, you know, and I wish that George Lucas would have just handed over that to someone else and said, "Here's this young director, you do it." And when he did, when he did Force Awakens, he hands it over to J.J. Abrams, young. Young guy, you know, fresh ideas, uh, and then you know he gets the original, right? One of the original screenwriters, you know, for Empire. Um, but you know, I mean, it's he should have handed that over, and it would have been so much better. Yeah, we all want to know that story. We all want to know how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. But he kind of, but he kind man. of, you kind of pooped the bed with that one. Yeah, with the midi chlorians and the whole yeah. nonsense. I mean, we didn't need to. There was something to the mystery of the Force that was just like, oh my, it's just that like was, they recaptured yeah. it with Rogue One because you had that character in, in Chira Inwe and, uh-huh. uh, and Danny Yen, is that who it's Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen, Donnie yeah. Donnie Yen, yeah. Donnie Yen uh, brings back that mystery of the Force because you're not really sure if the guy's a Force user or not. Mm-hmm. You're not sure even to the end of it. You know, you're like, okay, well, is he a Force user? We'll find out if his ghost comes back. Yeah, if he comes back as a ghost. Oh, I was able to, you know. No, that would be terrible. But yeah. <laughs> if, if I, you know, if I love that. They brought back that mystery of, that mysticism. It's like, oh, is the Force like some kind of scientific thing? Or is it like a spiritual thing? You know, and, and I really had that mystery growing up as a kid watching the Star Wars movies. That's what made it magical was that, the Force was just something that just was like a spiritual thing that happens. Um, Why they're monks, though? I, I, that's the only thing that's just <laughs> they're weird. They're warrior monks, dude. That's, the, that's just the they're weird thing. It's like, monks. you can't get married. Sorry. <laughs> you get to be awesome, but you can't get married. Oh, that yeah, that whole bit was crazy. Okay, so the next series that we want to talk about is... Are, are we going to... Yeah, Aliens. We talk that? about Ridley Scott. Yeah, Ridley oh, Scott. my gosh. What is his... What is he, 80-something now? No, he's in his seventies. He's in his seventies. Yeah, okay. Not a okay. Or geriatric people. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But but you know you have Neil Blomkamp, and we've talked about this a Neil little Blomkamp bit. Neil Blomkamp would make great. Yeah, alien he was. He too. was. He was. Due. I mean, he was in place to make Aliens Five. Yeah. And he was going to bring back a lot of the cast: Michael Bean, uh-huh. um, and Lance Henriksen, I think. Yep. Uh, but he would have been. Excellent for this, and then Ridley Scott came along, came along and strong armed the studio and said, "This is my thing. I'm, I'm Ridley gonna, Scott. Yeah, I'm Ridley Scott. <laughs> I ruin Bible stories. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. Noah was so good. Yeah, no, uh, that was no. Was that Noah's Ark? No, he his? made Moses. Moses. He made Moses. That's right. White oh, Moses. My Moses the white guy. Such a horrible. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. What and I don't understand about Ridley Scott is okay. Ridley Scott makes Blade Runner. 
He makes Gladiator. These are fantastic movies and win Oscars, win awards. He's just an amazing director. Yet, yeah. At the same time, he can make Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah. That was... Well, Alien Covenant wasn't too bad. But it was not. It was okay. It was like it was trying to be two different movies at the same time. And that was the... Prometheus was pretty bad. It was okay, but it was it was not it didn't it was nonsensical. Um, but but yeah, he comes in. He says, "No, I'm gonna no, I'm gonna make five more Alien movies myself. Get Neil Blomkamp out of here. Buy Neil Blomkamp. I'm making more five more movies myself. I'll probably die before I finish them. But I I really think it's like well, I need to make more." more good movies before I die. I wanted more of a legacy to leave behind. You know, another and one that, another one that's... Uh, now, now, this guy, here's the thing. It can also work out because, you know, George Miller... George know, Miller the, is amazing. Oh, my the, gosh. He made the Mad Max films. And then he comes back and he does Mad Max Fury Road and yep. blows everybody's yeah. mind. I mean, you know, he. this is the thing. Sometimes these guys need to just hand the franchise over but other times, look, I don't know if I would watch a Mad Max movie unless it was directed by George yeah, Miller. I know. It would be weird without be George weird. Miller. It would be weird. But I mean, the right person could do it. You know how amazing it is when, when the Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series does an entire special. It's basically an ode to an homage to Mad, Mad Max. Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... But that movie is so great. And that whole... The thing about... George Miller that would be difficult for someone to to just hand that off is that George Miller, you don't understand, George Miller has reams and reams of paper where he has outlined that entire universe. Yeah. And he has backstories on every last character that you see in the film, including people you see for five seconds. I mean, honestly, it is the most detailed backstory you could ever have in a movie and I would say it's even more detailed than like I don't know Star Wars or any one of these other great franchises there's so much backstory we don't even know about and what I wish is George Miller releases those at least release those in like novel form or something so I could read it because man there's so much to that Um, I know who do you think could pick up George Miller's Mad Max trilogy man I don't know let's Oh, the guy. Dennis, Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, is that how you pronounce his name? Del- Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah. Villeneuve, who made Arrival. Um, yes, he could do it. Now, we haven't seen Blade Runner 2049 yet, but things are coming in that he did an amazing job. Yeah. Like, like this is just as good as the original, and it's not. Which, that's amazing. Yeah. If it is. I mean, that movie, um, Blade Runner, is still just, you know, good grief. Yeah. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Um, so, okay. Uh, uh, anything else? Uh, yeah, just, what was I going to say? Neil Blomkamp would be another one. Let's just hand it to Neil Blomkamp. And I'll, let's just hand all the sci-fi movies to Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> Neil Blomkamp. He is just an amazing guy. I mean, just, just, uh, here's a guy who's, you know, he's made three really great, science fiction mm-hmm. films that did really well. Yeah, they did. You know, and his vision is really interesting and different. Um, probably the grittiest thing I've ever seen on screen <laughs> yeah. was 
his three movies, uh, you know, like uh, District 9 and Elysium. And it was the other one. Uh, it was Chappie. Oh, Chappie. I loved yeah. Chappie. Well, Chappie. A lot of people didn't think Chappie was as good as his really other films. Chappie I loved it. It was. That's the thing. Yeah. It was like, it was Chappie. It was cute, but with, lot, with lots of <laughs> F-words. Lots of gratuitous violence and F-words. <laughs> but that's Neil Blomkamp's style. <laughs> and, you know, it's because of where he grew up. Yeah. I mean, South, South Africa yeah. is like a really violent place. Yeah. So he's seen a lot of that, you know. So, um so that leads us to our dollar rental of the week. I guess it doesn't really lead Not, us to doesn't it. really lead. <laughs> I don't do- think it has anything to do with it. It's the worst segue in history. Yeah. Okay. So dollar rental of the week this week is a little gem I like to call, well, it's called Terrordactyl. Terrordactyl. I'm guessing this is produced by Roger Corman, is it? Yeah, it's Roger Corman. Okay. So um, it's a sci-fi channel. You know thing. what's really funny is this movie's actually pretty hilarious. Okay. Um, if you watch it, to take it seriously, then you have the IQ of a turnip. But <laughs> if you watch it for a laugh, you're going to get a good laugh. Um, basically, the premise is these two guys, they go into this cave, and they find this giant, this weird, disgusting-looking egg. It actually looks like a big turd. Okay. But they find this, <laughs> it's an egg, and it's a pterodactyl egg. And for some reason, there's pterodactyls. I don't know. And they bring it with them, and then the mama pterodactyl like chases them around for a while and tries to just tries to kill them and all this stuff. And then they get into the city, and suddenly there's like thousands of pterodactyls for some reason. And they the pterodactyls don't eat anybody; they just stab people through the midsection with their beaks. <laughs> oh my gosh! It is just the most absurd. And the dude, this the, the CGI is the worst in history. It's like it was made on a 386 computer or wow. something. I mean, it's just it's awful. It's just awful. And But, you know, it's got your it, cheesy actors and your, you know, girls screaming with their hands in the air kind Hell of stuff, yeah. you know, and she's in the backseat of the car, like, freaking out because there's a pterodactyl on the head. And, you know, probably the largest budget item they had in the movie was a rubber pterodactyl that's, like, laying across the top of a car. Because <laughs> it lands on the car, and a guy stabs it through the roof of the car with a with a I guess it's a, a chisel or something. I'm not really sure what it is. It's a knife or a chisel. He stabs the pterodactyl. Pterodactyl falls down dead on top of the car, and they continue to drive. And the other pterodactyls think that it's a moving pterodactyl, so they leave them alone for a while. <laughs> but it's just hilarious. I mean, it's it's just you're you know if you need something, you're bored. Like I was on a Saturday afternoon, you got nothing to do. Turn on and watch Pterodactyl. You know what I like? This yeah. has nothing to do with that, but I like that movie Prehistoria. Did you ever see that? <laughs> yeah. Like the little miniature dinosaurs. <laughs> Prehistoria. Yeah, those are those are great. You know, Roger Corman makes some really garbage movies, but they're funny to watch. Mm-hmm. If 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 well, that wasn't thing, a Roger goes, Corman movie, that no, was a fa- it was a family movie that came out in theaters. Oh, and it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Prehistoric. It is like oh. these kids that find little miniature I we're dinosaurs. About Roger Corp- no, I'm sorry. I, I, like I said, it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but you said pterodactyl. It made me think of the little bitty, the little miniature pterodactyl. Oh, the these big. things were big. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. It has nothing to do with that. My mind wanders. <laughs> it's all right. Okay, well, maybe we need to go take a nap. So uh, until then, I'm Roger Colby. I'm Richard Coots.